Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. Well, Jeff, finally, Premier League starts today. It starts today, yeah. We'll be looking at this evening's games and the games coming up on Friday. My team, Tottenham against Man United and then the games over the weekend a little later. But a lot has happened since the last podcast. Mm. We will get on to the German Bundesliga in a moment. But first, your trivia question. In the, in the year 1973-74, Mick Chan finished the season as top goal scorer. Um, why is that unique? So he finished as top goal scorer, but it's strange and unique. Yeah, but not. And what is unique is not that that's the only time he's ever done it. There is something else that's unique. Ah, right. So yeah, because he was a prolific goal scorer. He was indeed. Yeah. yeah. So we will find out the answer to that at the end of the show. First of all, congratulations go to Bayern Munich. Of course, they won the league, eight league titles in a row now, Jeff. Yeah, and hard to see how anyone can challenge them, to be honest. No, eight in a row, eleven games unbeaten, and. Lewandowski scored again and the goal that won them the league. Yeah, it was quite interesting uh, because I was looking at the stats. So he's, he scored the goal that won them the league. He's uh, got 31 goals this season. In the league? In the league. He's got 43 in total. In total. That is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, there are teams in the Premier League who haven't scored that many with all their players. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I go to go to Poland quite a lot on business and, and the talk in Poland over the last season was that he was spent. He's, you know, he's passed it. He's concentrating too much on his fashion company, etc., etc. Well, 43 goals suggest that's not true. That is, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Mm. 40, I mean, that's double what you want off your main striker, isn't it? it? Is, you're yeah. looking for 20 goals a season. That is incredible. But they also, they won 1-0 away, away from home behind closed doors. But they also had a player sent off and still won the league. Looking at the stats from the Bundesliga, actually there have been, as you mentioned, more away wins than home wins since they restarted. That's right, yeah. Quite, it, I mean, quite a big difference. It's a huge difference, yes. Yeah, so well done to Bayern Munich and well done to Lewandowski. I mean, it's just incredible. The Premier League starts this week, so we've had all the managers talking about how the season's going to go. I think we have to turn our attention first, because I'm a Tottenham fan and because it's there... (laughs) <laughs> we'll turn our attention to Arsenal. We call Arteta the groundsman. Yeah. Perhaps you'd like to explain that and then tell us all about what he's been saying this week in preparation for the Premier League. Right. Well, we call him the groundsman because, first of all, nobody could understand what he ever did at Manchester City apart from put the cones out in training. Um, one of his early uh, press conferences when he was appointed at Arsenal was about how he was he was preparing the pitch. So he's the groundsman. Right, yes. Yeah, so basically, yes, that, that's what he does. He's the groundsman at the Wanderers, yeah. Yeah, uh, rather than the manager or the coach. Yeah. And but I mean what, what's he been doing then? What's he been doing this week to prepare his team? Well, he, he's been talking a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at, at the end of last week, there were press conferences where, where he was talking about how what he does is he talks to the players, he motivates them. He's he, you know, and at City he was the, the conduit between the players and and the manager, which strikes me as a kind of nothing sort of job to be quite honest with you. But he's doing the same with the Wanderers, and th- this week it's it's continued. It's it's and it's all me myself and I. It, what he is doing to put right the problems of the last three years, and I think you know to m- to me it's uh, that's a sort of he, he's broken one of the, one of the rules of football that y- you don't. Don't trash the people who came before you. Yeah. Even Mourinho, I don't think, does that. Yeah, actually, that's a good point because I know you have no time for Jose Mourinho. I don't, no. And of course, he says, you know, he trash talks and all that kind of thing. And he's mm. he, but I don't think any club he's gone to, he's never said, oh, I've got to fix this. What a mess! What a mess the previous manager has left me, dear oh dear. He just gets on with the job. In fact, when he took over at Tottenham, he said, I've got some phenomenal players. Yeah, exactly. Um, to to go and actually trash the previous regime is, I mean, that just that's that's what government 
governments do, isn't it? You know, all this unemployment is not our fault, it's the previous government. So very much so. I mean, the, the quote the quote was from the groundsman, we haven't been able to achieve the goals we wanted in the last three years, and there is a reason behind it. I mean, oh, shut up. You, you, you know, um, if we stand still, that gap will become bigger and bigger. I haven't come here to accept that. Good God. I have I have a dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> come uh, on. Uh, yeah. There's, you know, there's no I in team and all the rest of it. But, yes. But, but you know, it, it's a reality. You, you don't build a team. You don't build the collective mindset by me, myself, and I. No, I, I think it's just shameful. I mean, now you mentioned there Mourinho. There are there are some managers who can, of course, like Mourinho, for example, be say be called egotistical or in that I, me, and myself mindset. Very often, you know, it, it's done to deflect away from the players and to you know deflect attention. But this is clearly just trash talk, isn't it? This is just look at me, look at me, how great I am. I'm going to solve all the problems that were created before me and dumped on me. Yeah, but uh, you know, if Mourinho did it, then he has a body work he can say okay this is what i've won that's a good, <laughs> that's a good point yeah uh, and, and you have to say well yeah well okay but you know more than that did you ever hear sir alex ferguson say no. anything no. like that no. no no he was always us we the team mm. the mm. club yeah i mean actually going back to Mourinho, that's what i've heard a lot from him at tottenham is we and the team and oh. the guys and all that kind of thing um yeah i mean the, and, and he could and of course ferguson even you know could turn around and go yes but look at my record yeah Arteta can't say, do you know how many cones I can put out in a minute? It's not, it's not like he's got anything to, to, to boast about, or, or at least to, to hold hold up and say, look, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and their, their results before the lockdown were hardly hardly brilliant, were they? No. I mean, let's be honest. They were, it was kind of ho-hum, mm. and they've, they've been travelling along at 1.4 points per game. If the next 10 games, if their next 10 games are 1.4 points, they don't make the Europa League. No, wow. Uh, tonight's game, of course, they are playing Manchester City. Guardiola has said, well, Arteta obviously knows a lot about our team, you know, because he was the person that talked to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that'll be an interesting game. But if they lose that, um, that leaves that leaves on uh, them on the same amount of nine games as everybody else because the games played mm -hmm. tonight are, are the ones in hand. That would leave them in danger, as you say, of no no Europa League. Yeah, and if you look at their um, recent and even not so recent history, um, it's been one of perpetual disappointment. <laughs> the, the Wanderers have not won at a big six club in the league since January 2015. Tonight at Manchester City, unlikely then. Well, so yeah. you're, so you're saying they haven't won away at a top six? Since January 2015. Not even at Tottenham, goodness no, and, me. And... <laughs> And have a guess who scored the goals that night. All right, go on. Santi Cazorla and Olivier Giroud. Yes, I remember it, them well. <laughs> well, exactly. Santi Cazorla, it's that long ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He was a big thing at the time, but uh, yeah, that was oh, yeah. A, that's five years ago. And they've not been in the Champions League for the past three seasons. Mm. Which leads us to our big, big story, I suppose. Arsenal's top scorer on 17 goals this season, uh, second only to Jamie Vardy on 19. Aubameyang, he scored 61 goals in 97 games for Arsenal. That is quite sensational. That's brilliant. Yeah. He's 31. He's asked, his, his contract runs out next July. End of next season, yeah. End of next season. He's 31. He's asking for 300,000 a week and they are dithering. I know, yeah. O Obama Yang said last week in various press conferences, he has had, or his, his 
representatives have had a number of discussions with the club, but the club have not yet made an offer. I it mean, beggars uh, belief. It beggars belief. It's going to be another Ramsey, isn't it? They're going to lose a player for nothing that has a big value. Sign him up for a three-year deal for three hundred thousand a week, and if you really don't want to pay it, sell him next season, but get some money for him. Yeah, I mean, they could actually end up. Yeah, like I mean, have they learned nothing from? I mean, it's not just Ramsey, is it? It's happened, but you know, over and over again with top with top players, and here they are again. Aubameyang. Nobody's going to get them that amount of goals. I mean, this is he's. Scores 17 goals for Arsenal, who've not been firing on all cylinders this season. That's right. You know, but there's Jamie Vardy on 19 goals, but he's playing for Leicester, who've been second and third all season, so he's had a bit of service, I'd imagine. Yes. I know, I understand 300,000 is a lot of money, and a lot of clubs are struggling, and Arsenal are known for trying to keep keep that down, much like Tottenham, I suppose, but he's your top striker. Where are you going to get another... How, how, how much are they going to have to pay for an, another striker to replace him? Well, I mean, it's you're going to be approaching, you know, 70 million plus, aren't you? Right, so they got to get rid of him hopefully f- if they say no you're not having 300,000 you're going they'll sell him at the end of this season for I don't know whatever mm. they've got to replace him by with somebody younger to prove intent the reason they got rid of him yeah I, th- I think it's it's extremely difficult because who would who would buy him who would mm. buy him for a price that Arsenal would deem to be acceptable you know let's let's be honest it's not going to be one of the elite clubs in Europe is it true with, with, with him being 31 you know they they tend not to pay that sort of money for people mm. over 30 so you you know, I, I can't see anywhere for them to go rationally other than give him a big contract and then try and sell him end of next season or something. It's a dilemma in the sense that you're not going to get a lot of money for him. So you might as well actually just pay him and hang on to him and let, hope he gets 15 to 20 goals for you next season. And then, yeah. you know, either, you know, as you say, extend his contract and then let him go for a cheap price, by which time you've had time to find somebody else. Yeah, look, look back at, uh, at Liverpool when they when they sold Suarez. The, the, the question that they did not seem to ask themselves is okay we can sell him we can get a lot of money but where are we going to get 30 goals a season from and they spend a lot of money on midfield players and the following season they, they really struggled because they just didn't score goals yeah so you know it looks like Arsenal are going to do the same just shoot themselves in the foot again again and the other point which you made at the beginning of that whole conversation I suppose is it's possible it's possible that they might that they could not have European football next season what top striker is going to go and say yes I'll pro- I'll, I'll take Aubameyang's play for less than 300,000 because otherwise there's no justification and I am good enough for Arsenal. Yeah, it's Who's that? Who is that player? Well, they, they don't exist. Their, their only hope, I guess, is to take somebody very young who will use them as a stepping stone. But then but then the Wanderers have moved from becoming a top four club to down amongst the Evertons and you know, yeah. look look back in the day to when, when I started watching football, three of the big clubs, the big clubs mm. in the country were Sunderland, Everton and Sheffield. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. And only one of them is still in the in the Premier League and competing for competing for a, a place in the big Vars, not even the yeah. Champions League. No, no, I mean Everton perpetually finishing eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh. Yeah. That's in the Everton spot. Yeah. The Everton spots, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that they were a big club. Sheffield Wednesday, where are they now? Sunderland. Yeah. I mean they've really, really uh, hit bad times. That's the Abraham Young thing. We think Arsenal are falling for their doing their usual thing as they did with Ramsey et al. Yeah, and and if you you listen to the what the groundsman is saying this week it, it, it seems to be all about retaining Bukayu Saka mm. and, and now we're talking here about you know a, a very very small wage you know wage cost for him you know why are they not breaking the bank to keep him but he's only had half a season are you really saying that the thing which which defines success or failure for you this season is that you keep hold of a graduate from the academy that's your yeah, that, I mean that's struggling it, to it? do that that's yeah. it that, that's that's 
that's your big thing for the that, week. That, yeah. that shows you how far they've fallen in the mm. last few years. It does. It certainly does. So uh, bad times ahead possibly for Arsenal. Your prediction for tonight's game then, Man City against Arsenal? I'll say 3-1 to City. 3-1 to City. I'm going to go for 2-0 to City. Now, of course, by the time we get this edited and published, the game will be about to kick off. Yeah, so, um, so, so we can only look stupid. Yeah, yeah so we can only <laughs> look stupid, but, but we're both going for a City win. Yeah, and, and remember that if the Wanderers should happen to win tonight, then the league is as good as over because Liverpool only need one win between now and the end of the season. Yeah, because that'll put City out of the race. Yeah, OK, so uh, we shall see what happens. The other game tonight, which is also a game in hand, is Aston Villa-Sheffield. That'll probably be over by the time we post this. That's at uh, 7 o'clock Central European time. Yeah, that, that is an intriguing game, actually. Mm. So the, the one thing that we don't know, which which Kirk said in the, in the radio show last week, is how good are people going to be coming back from this? It's, it's mm. almost like a restart and everybody starts starts from scratch again yes so you know do the league positions actually matter in in terms of how well the team is going to play so you know is will Aston Villa have spent this time introducing the players to each other and (laughs) (laughs) I mean they they bought so many players before the the season started and and they're good players too I mean they've got good records in in Europe the ones they bought and they just you know don't appear to have met (laughs) but they've had all this time maybe yeah it is kind of like starting a new season nobody knows what team they're coming up against they can't say oh that's Aston Villa they've been dreadful all season that was three months ago who knows who they are now yeah I think Villa have been been very very unlucky with decisions and injuries and and their their players are much better than the league position they're in having said that you know I'm a West Ham supporter and you know we will go down in history as the best side ever to be relegated yes yeah um just a quick thing that I was reading yesterday about how games will be um televised and the uh, the Premier League and Sky in particular of course who've got the majority of the games that what they're doing is they are getting a load of chants and singing and crowd noise from multiple, you know, hundreds of different games and editing them together to give you that atmosphere so that they can then bring in a, you know, crowd shout when there's a goal and all that. Very, very clever sort of way they're going to have to master it all. But they are cutting out all the swear words, so I don't know if they'll have enough material. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really, they've got, to, they've got to go through every single chant and every cry and shout uh, when the crowd are mumbling in the background and cut out all the swearing and everything to make sure that they do. Who uh, the... Bleep, 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 Sky, bleep, bleep, are you... Yeah. yeah, who the who the beep beep? Yeah. So I don't know how that you know how that's going to work. The bleep bleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, it's going to be very strange. Yeah, uh, there has been one score this week already in England. Actually, uh, really? Marcus Rashford won. Boris Johnson nil. Oh, very yeah, brilliant. For <laughs> yes. Rashford. I mean, top man. Well done. Yes, uh, for those that don't know, of course, uh, Marcus Rashford, uh, 22, I think he is, footballer he is. for Manchester United. We'll let that ride. We can we can forgive him for that. Yeah, yeah. has been campaigning and uh, begging basically the the government in the United Kingdom to provide free lunches, free meals for children during the summer break because obviously there's been no school. Uh, normally they get free meals and all this kind of thing and the government said no they won't do it they then U-turned and said yes alright because a lot of pressure he did a lot of interviews a lot of people backing him he has now almost single-handedly really provided food to 1.3 million children who would be in poverty otherwise than starving or hungry well they're, they are in poverty anyway but yes, yes so they, 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 they will be less hungry and I, I have to take take issue with the one word you used there you said begging he didn't beg actually he presented very yes. rational arguments yes sorry yeah, it was a, yeah it was a wrong choice of words you know, but if, you know, if you if you listen to him, okay, you can, you can see he's not spent a lot of time in school or university or and, and elocution and lessons or yeah, whatever. Exactly, yeah. but his arguments were were bang on. Mm. They, it was very well presented, very well done, and he spoke from the heart. So well, he did, well yeah. done to him. He did well done to Marcus Rashford. I, I watched a couple of interviews. 
very, I mean, he was very well spoken, very rational yeah. argument, but a very heartfelt argument. Yes. You can't, I mean, in, he, he kept saying, this is, you know, it, Britain in 2020, children should not be left to go hungry. And it's a very simple argument, but he put it so well, the government had no choice. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it seems extraordinary to me that we're in 2020 and w- there is any sort of debate about children going hungry. Isn't that a Victorian thing? Yeah, yes. I mean, it should have been left in, you know, 100 years ago. It's, yeah. it's an absolute disgrace and it took a 22-year-old footballer to, to put the moral compass of the government back so, on. I mean, it's disgraceful that he well, even had to do that. I think it would take uh, a lot more than one footballer to put the moral mm. compass of this, <laughs> yeah, go- yeah. This, this government back on. But yeah, but to, to try and force them to do a good thing that is the right thing, mm. yeah, well, well played to him. Yeah, so well done to Marcus Rashford. Quick shout-out to uh, Raheem Sterling, who is also a campaigner. Indeed. Who's been sort of been left behind in all this. Yeah, that's right. And uh, interesting that the, the things that Sterling Sterling has said over the past three years have just got him into trouble with the, the Daily Hile and newspa- yes. newspapers yeah. like that. Rashford has sort of cut them out of the out of the argument, gone straight to the people. Maybe that's yes. the answer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Daily Fail and all that, and the Daily Hile yeah. is called. I mean, they could not possibly turn, nobody could turn around and say, no, 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 you can't feed children. I mean, <laughs> what they, even they were stumped, I think. Yeah, you can, I'm sure there's somebody in their, in their head office who's trying to look for, for the uh, tattoos that they can invent some story about. Yeah, that was that was Sterling's downfall, wasn't it? All right, let's move on then from Marcus Rashford and his uh, incredible, incredible campaigning. Well done, that young man. They are playing his team, Manchester United, are playing Tottenham on Friday, again, behind closed doors. We'll have a look at that towards the end of the show with all the other games. Now, a topic that we've talked about on this podcast and on the radio show that uh, Jeff and I do for 93.6 Global Radio, thank you to them, on the Costa del Sol, we spoke on Saturday about the takeover of the Magpies Newcastle United by a Saudi Arabian consortium. Mm. Uh, that's kind of run into a little bit of problem. Yeah, it, it, it has. Um, put aside the the fit, well, the fit and proper person test. We, we're, we're dealing with the the sovereign fund of the of Saudi Arabia. So their oil money gets gets put into this big fund and they invest in companies all around the world. The person who's the chairman of that fund is basically the boss of Saudi Arabia and also the the person in charge of be out who are the the company that have been accused and found guilty of piracy and that piracy involves selling the rights or selling premier league football matches um, which which be in who are a qatar based company uh, bt and sky have the rights for so they have taken money away from existing premier league sponsors so the situation we're in is that murder by saudi arabia appears to be okay yes but stealing money from yeah. another Premier League sponsor appears not to be okay. Yes, well, uh, yeah, the Bundesliga, the Premier League, FIFA, UEFA, La Liga, they've all tried to bring proceedings um, in Saudi courts. have been blocked by the government's... By the government uh, of Saudi Arabia. Of Saudi yeah. Arabia, yeah. Uh, the head of which is the man who's the head of the investment fund who are buying, <laughs> who are buying, yeah. buying jongleurs, so... Yeah, so it's all very, very um, shady. Uh, but the World Trade Organization have now come in and basically they are saying that Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia's business practices are not on a level with the rest of the world. Correct. And that means now that the, the basically the takeover has been looked at again. Indeed. And, uh, you know, we, we can only hope that people in the Premier League 
grow some balls and don't just follow the money. Yeah, I mean, they have got, you know, the, the head of uh, the chief executive of Bean has written to Premier League clubs and warned them about Newcastle. Mm. He's asked the Premier League to look again. So that could be on the back burner. That's a 300 million takeover, which doesn't sound like a lot of money in this day and age, for a, but it is Newcastle. Well, it, exactly. And <laughs> and the the sovereign fund from Saudi Arabia, who are looking to take 80% of junglers, 300 million is nothing to them. Absolutely nothing. While we're talking about Newcastle, during the week I saw this story from back in September 1997, probably the last time the Magpies had anything really to celebrate. Uh, they beat Barcelona 3-2 uh, at St. James's Park in the Champions League. Uh, they had uh, in Luis Enrique, Figo, Rivaldo in their lineup, but Newcastle had, do you remember Faustino Asperilla? Yeah, I remember that goal Cal- he scored from just inside the opposition half, outside of the right foot, bent it in at the far post. Yeah. There you go, yeah. Uh, he'd be <laughs> the problem being that he'd been on international duty just before the game, and instead of going, and this is according to him, instead of going back to Newcastle, I went to my ranch and had a party with lots of girls. <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> Asperilla, ca- yeah. And came back very late and just made it in time for the game. Kenny Dalgleish, the then manager, was absolutely furious, but he then went on and scored a hat-trick and yeah. became a hero. Instead of his move to Newcastle, he, well, he, he turned up, basically turned up in a fur coat um, at uh, St. James's Park. It was snowing, unbelievably, um, from Colombia, which is a bit warmer. And he said the one thing that struck him immediately, although he couldn't understand a word anybody was saying, the women were divine. I had, I don't know how many girlfriends. It's a bit of a character, but turning yeah. up from a party and banging three past Barcelona is a thing of legend. Yes, indeed. But well, he, I mean, he is a, a character, isn't yes, he? Yes, yeah, brilliant. Uh, but that is the Newcastle of the past. Champions League, 23 yeah. years ago. Yes, indeed. And now worth 300 million, possibly. <sighs> yeah. And, and you know, I mean, if things continue, though, they, I mean, not this season, but possibly next season, they could be staring relegation in the face. Yeah, well, certainly um, Ashley has not invested nearly enough to, to bring the squad up to the standard that, that it really should be at. Benitez did a fantastic job in keeping them in the in the division and I'll, I'll have to hold my hand up and uh, and admit that I got Steve Bruce wrong. Mm. He's actually quite a decent manager. Yeah, well, I, I think I had to ag- I agreed with you at the time. I could not see it. I mean, not, mm. this record isn't, you know, outstanding. He's not, no. uh, not won any... No great shakes. However, yeah, he's done all right, actually, Steve Bruce. Yeah. Yes, he has. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a sort of p- player's manager, though, isn't he? I think I he's think probably so. got the lads playing together. You haven't got the skilled lads, but we're in it together kind of thing. Well, he, well exactly. He, he's the sort of guy you want to, to keep you in the league. Mm. He's not going to get you into a European position. No, I just I just think... Yeah. No, fair play to him. I mean, he's done what he was hired to do. But uh, tough times ahead for Newcastle. I think so. Yeah, mm. definitely. Uh, we spoke last week, Jeff, about Hearts being relegated from the Premiership. Based on average points or you know, something like that, yeah. Yeah, in Scotland they decided to end the league, much as they did in France, with games to play, but did a points per game average, yeah. whatever. But Hearts have changed. Have now, along with two other teams in Scotland, Parsik Thistle and Stranra, they've clubbed together to bring legal action against the SPFL, who obviously run the, the, the yeah. leagues over there, up there. Well, I mean, all I say is, is good luck to them because I think this this average points is is no way to decide a league. Uh, I mean, how many teams in, in Scotland voted to carry on playing? Well, that's it, yeah. yeah. What happened here was, of all the teams in Scotland, only 16 uh, uh, wanted to expand the league to allow mm. clubs not to be relegated. It also means, for some reason, uh, the way it's been done, that uh, Lowland League champions Kelty Hearts and Highland League uh, champions Bora Rangers are not going to be invited to join the league. So nobody's been relegated and promoted, but nobody they aren't actually allowing anybody into the league. So it's, it's all a bit unfair all round, apart from Celtic. <laughs> I think I think what we're saying is is that anything ex- 
set fulfilling all the fixtures, playing all the matches, is going to be unfair to a number of clubs. And th- there's, uh, I can't remember which club, but in the in the football league in England, one of the clubs was moved out of a promotion position downwards because of the average points per per game rule. And strangely, they didn't vote to carry on playing. <laughs> now the so reason the reason why it, the, when, when they when they had the um, the vote for and well the, the discussion on what was going to happen and the vote on on the results of the discussion only four of the teams in the football league voted to carry on playing rather than decide it on a points point. Yeah. and the reason for that well is money they're, they're all making losses but they're losing less money not playing <laughs> right, than yeah. if they played haven't we got to a stupid situation where where that's the case it's cheaper not to go to work it's, it's cheaper not to, not to, yeah. yeah cheaper not to actually do what your function is yes yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a what kind of situation is that that's very strange and, and worrying actually yeah, yeah. Th- I mean the teams that voted against the, the the points per points per game thing were obviously the teams that were going to be relegated yes you know, <laughs> obviously yeah you can um, understand but that it, it did shock me that only four teams voted to carry on playing that is very strange and yeah. that shows you what what the financial situation is below the well, let's say below the championship below the championship yeah, out of sight really yeah. because obviously you know Premier League and the championship are shown on TV there is talk they are on the back pages you mm. don't read a lot about league two on the back page yeah, of and a newspaper uh, and and there is not very much evidence at all of the supposed trickle down from no. the premier league no 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 they're keeping that to themselves all right let's have a little look because it, you know it's starting this week we've done we've had a look at tonight's game but friday tottenham hotspur at home whatever that means now yes to manchester united first of all man united have got pogba back from injury after mm. all this time been out since january kane also has been out since january he's back yeah Tottenham played a friendly against Norwich on fr- last Friday. They played four quarters, basically half an hour, half an hour, half an hour, and half an hour. Mourinho's idea, apparently, because he wanted to, would you believe, hold your horses, test out some academy players. Yeah, or definitely rule them out, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You've had your chance. Yeah. yeah, you had your chance. That that 30 minutes at Norwich, that was it, you're off. Yeah, yeah but uh, Tottenham lost 2-1 in the last period. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever, doesn't matter, not important. There were players there I'd never heard of, and with Mourinho, I may never again. You probably never will, no, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, Spurs go into this match, well, they, they went into the shutdown in a sequence of six games without a win, during which they were eliminated from the FA Cup and the Champions League and slipped to eighth in the Premier League. Right, can we just, actually, can I change my mind and can we just finish it now? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to play on, but that doesn't look that doesn't look like we're off to a flying start. Well, um, yeah, but we've had three months. Um, yeah. Everybody's fit again. Kane is back. Yep. And, and Tottenham with Kane are a, a different Different team, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I would still expect Manchester United to win that. Having said all that, Son's back, Bergwijn's back, Sissoko is back, Kane is back, all those players are back. Well, apparently Tangan- Tanganga got injured during the Norwich game, so we've already got an injury before we started. But a lot of players have come back from injury. Mourinho, if you you know believe the Tottenham fa- Facebook page and the Tottenham website, has been doing a lot of work with, with the players for the last three months, allegedly. Lots of smiles and all that. He's back to smiling again. Um, looks to be a good atmosphere there, but you think Man United are going to win, think so, despite yeah. all the all the feel good players back from injury and all that. Yeah, I think so. 
Mm. And it will be, it'll probably be Marcus Rashford to score the goal, and I won't be able to be disappointed because it'll look very bad. <laughs> oh, no. I, I think Manchester United will win. I, I've had a feeling for the last week or so that that is a draw. I think that's a one-all draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nearer it gets, the more the more bullish I get, and the more excited I get, the more I think Tottenham are going to win 2-1. Uh, but I don't think they'll lose. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going okay. to just sit on the fence. I don't think Tottenham will lose. Let's have a look at the other games. Uh, on Saturday, there's four games. Watford-Leicester. Uh, Leicester win. Leicester win. Watford could it still go down, I suppose. Uh, here's a team that very well might go down. Arsenal are in action again. They're away at Brighton. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Mm. Um, now, you would expect in days of old, and with Brighton struggling to stay up, Arsenal looking, alleged, not allegedly, but um, you would imagine looking for, a, uh, for, looking for a, a European spot, Arsenal should win away at Brighton. You would think But things should. are a lot different now. Things are different, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Brighton, they were, they were in free fall just before the break. Mm weren't they? But they got everyone fit, but they have to play the Wanderers, Leicester, Manchester United, Liverpool and City. Yeah, that's tough. They look, they look doomed. They look relegated, don't they? They do with that uh, run in, yeah. So Brighton against Arsenal, what are we going to go for there? I think I'll go a draw there. A draw, I'm going to go for. No, I, c- I, can, I can't put it all in these words in the same sentence, Arsenal to win. So I'm going to say draw. Uh, your team, West Ham, take on Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah. Must a, win for you, it's certainly. A, it's a must win for the Hammers. And, and actually, you know, Wolves need to win as well. If they're going to mm. challenge for a, a top five spot, and th- they would doing very well at the you know at the end of uh, as we as we ended the season the yeah. the, the first Part ending one. yeah you know, the, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I think that would be an an unsatisfactory draw for both teams. But yeah, yeah. And then talking of a draw, because Roy Hodgson, Crystal Palace manager, said earlier in the week that there are teams that have got nothing to play for, not going to be relegated, not going to manage yeah. the European spot, who will be able to test out academy players and young players. And he said it would be a good thing for the future of football. Palace are kind of just about safe, and they're away at Bournemouth. Oh no, no, Palace, Palace are safe. Bournemouth are, are in trouble. I think it's the the final position might be a toss up between Bournemouth and Brighton. So actually, that is an important game. I, I do think it's it's an important game. Bournemouth have got well, they're, they're away at Wolves City and Manchester United, Spurs and Leicester. Mm. That's tough. That is tough. Five tough matches out of the nine they've got. So that's a must win for Bournemouth and I think win. they'll do it. Yeah. I think do. they'll do it. And I think West Ham see all these games are, are staggered so by the time West Ham starts against Wolves they'll know how Brighton have got on. I mean mm. it's still nine games to go but uh, those three games that Brighton, uh, West Ham and Bournemouth, all three teams that need to win stay up. Yeah if you look at uh, West Sam's games, they're, they're Wolves away, uh, the Spuds away, that's going to be a draw because mm. it always is. <laughs> Chelsea at home, uh, Jonglers away, Burnley, Norwich, Watford, Manchester United and Villa. I mean, West Ham look to have the easiest run in. Of they do, football. yeah. But the, the corollary of that, of course, is that they've actually played the tougher teams already and lost to them. So. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean they're going to beat the easier teams either, no. no it doesn't. No. no. Uh, on Sunday, Newcastle, against, uh, Newcastle United against Sheffield United. Yeah, Sheffield United should win. They should win. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure how much press pressure works, but all this talk about the takeover will that have any effect on Newcastle? Do you think? On the players? No. No? no. All right. Okay. Aston Villa against Chelsea. Chelsea need to win, don't they? To, yes. To keep keep mm. their place in the top four. Um. One one thing you can say about Frank Lampard this season that he he appears to have learned as he's gone along. Mm. So you would you would think that the three months off he he would have been working hard to to basically get them focused. Mm. Th- their issue, of course, is they haven't scored enough goals for the pressure that they've had and the the chances they've created, mm-hmm. which obviously is why they're looking at Timo Werner. Yeah. 
Yes, who by, by the time this podcast goes out or by the time you're listening to it, may very well have already put pen to paper at Chelsea. Well, he does seem to be very, very, very committed to Chelsea, doesn't he? He's saying that if they make, if, if everybody agrees to everything and he signs, he will come at the end of July. He won't stay at um, RB Leipzig to play in their final Champions League matches. So he's he will turn down the chance of playing in the Champions League for them to join Chelsea. So he seems wow. committed to them. That's that's a big statement of intent. Well yeah. done to him. That, that'll put minds at rest at Chelsea. I don't think so, yeah. And, and he's you, you can see where he can fit into the team and you can see where he can fit into the team playing with uh, Tammy Abrahams as well, which mm. I think is important thing. That'll be an exciting it's partnership. Th- yeah. 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 All right, then on Sunday, the big one, Everton against Liverpool. Big for many reasons. First of all, yeah. it's local derby. Two stadiums couldn't be closer together, really. Um, if Man City lose tonight... That's the that's the decider, isn't it? That is the decider. Liverpool could win the title away at their bitter rivals, Everton, or uh, local rivals. Yeah, they, they could well do that. And if anybody is, is amongst the, the idiots who write on the, on, on the internet who thinks Liverpool haven't deserved it, in their last 38 games... Uh, a season is 38 games. In their last 38 games, they've got they've won 109 points. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that is yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, and it you know, th- and they could win 109 points this season from the 114 that are available. In other words, they would have lost one match and drawn one match, but won all the rest. You will say what you like. You cannot avoid the no. stats. There have been a couple of games that you and I watched while doing the radio show where I felt Liverpool looked to get some favourable treatment. They rode their luck. They yeah. rode their luck, and I mean, there was a couple of decisions. Leicester should have uh, not come away. Yeah with a loss there was a VAR decision that was wrong but you know it, it can go that Liverpool will be able to find where it's gone the other way yes. and, but they've still gone on and won the game and that's yeah. the difference yeah but 109 points from your last 38 yes. games yeah, you fun. can't that's that's not VAR going in your favour no that's you being very good yes very good Indeed. at football Liverpool and I think they'll beat Everton yeah. and I think that is that'll be the day they win the title next Sunday the, yeah, well it depends what happens tonight doesn't it exactly yeah. Yeah. if the Wanderers beat City <laughs> yeah alright so <clears throat> All right, so it might not be next Sunday then. Yeah, maybe the sun, uh, the, the, the match after. The match that. after, yeah. And then on Monday, we've got Manchester City in action again against Burnley. Oh, that's going to be a tough game. That mm. will be a tough game. I'll, I'll, I'll go for a draw in that again. Oh, really? Mm. Burnley are... Well, Burnley's, um, we were saying before we started, Bur- Nick Pope, the Burnley goalkeeper... Who should be England's goalkeeper. Who should be England's goalkeeper, yes, agreed. Uh, has kept the most number of clean sheets this season. Yeah. 11 out of 29. Have they played yeah. 29 games? No, yeah, 29 games they've played. Mm. And he's got 11 clean sheets. That's yeah. phenomenal. And yeah, there's you know, if if you look at who their manager is, Sean Dyche, and mm. look at where he played, and you look at how how Burnley are set up, you know, he he's got the principles right. First of all, you've got to be hard to beat, and Burnley are very hard to beat. Um, the issue for Burnley, of course, is getting enough money to get the attacking players to yeah. to be able to get goals at the other end. Maybe they could sign a bummer young. <laughs> I think a draw. A draw for that one, Man City Burnley on Tuesday, uh, Monday. Then on Tuesday, Leicester City against Brighton. That should be, I mean, Leicester. Surely. Leicester should win that, which will they? put Brighton in further trouble. And then for you and I, I think we'll have to go out that night. Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham United. It'll be a draw because it always it is. is. As you said earlier, I'm going for a Tottenham win, and I'll buy you a pint if I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then on Wednesday we've got some matches as well, but we'll be back with the podcast yeah. then, so we're not going to talk about those. What we are going to talk about before we say goodbye uh, we are going to ask Jeff for his trivia question and the answer right in the, in the 1973 
1974 season of the first division, and for young people, this first division is what the Premier League used to be <laughs> used to be called. Uh, Mick Channon of Southampton was the st- top scorer in the vi- division with 21 goals. Why is that unique? And it's not unique because it's the only time Mick Channon was the top scorer. It's unique because Southampton were relegated that season. He was the top. He was. The, he scored the most goals of anybody in the entire season, and despite doing all that hard work and being the best, his team went down. Yeah, probably because he was the only scorer for Southampton <laughs> that season. <laughs> yeah. He probably spent all season going, you know, help me out here, yeah, fellas. Yeah, any yeah. Anytime you guys want to yeah. score, you know, just... Yeah. Jo- join just in any time you like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And uh, just a sort of little add-on question. Who went down with... Who were relegated with Southampton that season? That's an interesting one. Manchester United. Yes, you, I knew you wanted to say that. <laughs> I knew you wanted to say just with a bit of glee. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not their biggest fan. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not not by a very long way. No, no. no. Brilliant Triv uh, question there. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, that is all we've got time for. We'll be back next week with more Heating the Bar. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Heating the Bar, the football podcast.